Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. Solo podcast today, I don't have a guest because I really wanted to tackle divorce and I wanted to give you my thoughts on this. And I know that we have talked about divorce a lot on the Not The Way I Planned podcast, but I wanted to talk about some of the things that I think led to my divorce, not getting too personal, but some of the more tangible things that led to my divorce and then how I navigated through the grief process. Because although it looks similar to when you suffer through a death, I think there's some distinct differences. And I just wanted to talk about it today and kind of throw some things out there. And hopefully if either you're going through a divorce or you've gone through a divorce or you know someone that's going through a divorce, hopefully some of my words will be helpful. So if you have listened from the beginning, I have shared my story of getting married when I was 21 years old before, but I'll go over that just briefly. I met my husband when I was 20. We both worked at a bank And I grew up with a religious background that really encouraged you to marry young. For some reason, 21 was the magical age to get married. And I thought in my head that if I was any older than that, I was certainly going to be an old maid. I was going to be the lady that lived with a bunch of cats when she was 70 or 80 years old. And so I met my husband at a bank. We were both working as tellers at a bank and I liked him quite a bit from the get-go. He was just a nice guy. And we started talking. We had some things in common. uh, But I was confused because I'd had my heart broken a couple of times and had crushes on boys a couple of times where they just didn't like me back and it hurt. And so I'd gotten to a place in my head where I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. Two people can play this game and I'm not going to take anything seriously. And he was in a place where he was looking for a wife. And so things ended up moving much quicker than I wanted them to. But because I felt like I was at this magical age where I should be getting married and this was my opportunity and I I liked him. He, he was wonderful. He was my dear friend. I thought this is the guy and this is this is what we should do. So we dove into things very quickly. And one of the things that looking back, I'm like, ah, Why didn't we do that? We didn't discuss so many things that are important to discuss before you get married. So we didn't talk about finances. We didn't talk about romance. We didn't talk about how we wanted to raise our kids. All of these things, we just kind of took the dive and started playing house. And then these issues would come up and we'd argue about them a little bit. And then we would just sweep them under the rug. And I would always think, look, we're married. We're going to always work them out. And I never anticipated that divorce would ever happen to us because that always happened to other people. And I will say for a good majority of our marriage, we were fairly happy. We had issues, but, you know, we had a lot of happiness as well. And so when people say, why did you get divorced? There's not an easy answer. I know with some divorces, it's a little more cut and dry. One party cheated on the other, 
or there were addiction issues or there were abuse issues. But with us, there were just all these little things that aided our relationship and we didn't fix them. And I think even more importantly, we didn't fix ourselves. So I was not very good at saying I'm sorry and recognizing that I was wrong. And I'm sure there's things that he would say he would do differently as well. One thing that we did that if I could go back and change, I definitely would going into a marriage is we put our kids in front of our relationship. And that was with good intentions. I think we both very much wanted to be great parents. And so when our son Boston came along, it was all about taking care of the baby before ever taking care of the relationship. And so we didn't get babysitters as often as we probably should have. We didn't go on dates as often as we should have. And any mother knows that when you have a baby and especially when you're working and you have a newborn, you're flat out exhausted. So at the end of the day, I just went to bed instead of spending time with my husband. And looking back, I regret that. The other focus that I had, and I just put way too much attention into this, was my career. I've always been a a pretty determined woman and I wanted to succeed in the workplace. And so I took my job very seriously. In our situation, I work odd hours. So throughout most of our marriage, I was getting up in the middle of the night to go to work. And we became those two passing ships in the night where I went to bed super early because I had to get up at two or 3 a.m. And then he had more of a typical work schedule. So he would get home at six, seven o'clock at night sometimes. And we didn't spend that quality time that I think is so crucial in a marriage. Moving forward, spending an hour or two every single night together and just connecting, even if you're watching a show or, or talking about your day, it's just massive. And I didn't recognize that at the time. I thought, you know what, we'll have a date in a couple of weeks. And we really stopped connecting on a daily basis. Uh, even when we were in trouble, I was in constant denial. So I kept kind of fighting for him to save the relationship, but I wasn't communicating about it and I wasn't taking action. So we would get in an argument and I am the queen of giving the silent treatment and then expecting uh, the man in my life to read my mind. And I think we as women are great at this. And then he would, you know, kind of pull back and do the same thing. And we wouldn't resolve things. We would just stay mad. And I've really learned how important that communication is and how important it is to humble yourself and come forward and say, okay, what did I do wrong in this scenario? And it's okay. Maybe they did something wrong too, or maybe you aren't always the party at fault, but it's not so much about the argument. It's about the communication process after and how do we resolve it? And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to tackle all of those issues instead of burying them. It's so easy to say, you know what, I'm just going to let this go, even if it's eating me up inside and move on and be happy and not get in an argument. But sometimes that argument is necessary and then you've got to work through it in order to solve it and, and have a stronger relationship. So we were married for 15 years. I think things got really hard the last five. 
I was working full time. I was very engrossed in my job. I think I felt a sense of pride and got a little bit of an ego about what I was doing. I felt like my job was more important than his. My job was cooler than his. And at the same time, a lot of issues from my past started to surface. So my insecurities about my body, the way that I felt about myself started to surface and I hated who I was. I really did. Uh, Part of this was I became hyper aware that I had scoliosis. And so I felt like I looked like a monster in the mirror. I thought he can't possibly be attracted to me. So I pulled away from him physically and I just put all of my attention into work and the new friendships that I found at work, which I excluded him from those friendships. That was a huge mistake. I felt like this was more of a rebellious group and he wouldn't fit in. And so I didn't include him. We would go out. I would go out with friends and not include my husband, which was a massive mistake. And things just started eating at our relationship bit by bit. But I think that maybe we were both in denial that it would ever end in divorce. So we sought counseling at one point and it really wasn't effective for us. I didn't, I don't think we found the right counselor. So she took my side on a lot of things because she had similar religious perspectives as I did. And she was a woman. And so she was kind of pro-female and we needed a counselor that could really truly look at both sides and help us work through it. And that's not what we found. So we would walk out of therapy even more angry with each other than we, we did going in. And that really turned my husband off from therapy. I think he just thought, you know what, that, that didn't do us any good. And we would say things like, you know what, instead of spending money on therapy, we're going to go on adventures. We're going to go on a date night, which would have been great, but we didn't really take the action to do that because we were always busy. I was always tired and we always put the kids first. I think that leads to one of the bigger problems in our marriage and that is communicating your needs. So I am the type of person that needs affection. I need those words of affirmation. I wanted the type of husband that would surprise me. And I would tell him that like, I want you to surprise me and, and take me to a hotel room or do something a little over the top romantic once in a while. And that wasn't his personality. And he didn't show love that way. So his way of showing love was doing the dishes or doing the yard work. And he didn't express to me how I could show him love either or I wasn't listening. Maybe he tried at times and I just wasn't listening. But we weren't really even of the understanding that expressing love can look a lot of different ways and it can be expressed in a lot of different ways. If you are not familiar with the five love language, this was a game changer for me. And unfortunately, I learned about the five love languages at the end of my marriage. It may have even been after my divorce. And I thought, I wish that I would have gone into this relationship empowered with this knowledge because it would have made such a difference. So the five love languages express the the different ways that we need love and the different ways that we can express love to others. So words of affirmation, 
telling someone you're beautiful, you're great, I love you. Gifts, some people like gifts, even if they're little gifts or it's it's leaving a note, they like that. It's physical touch. Some people like physical touch. I'm one of those people, I'm absolutely a hugger. I want you to hold my hand and hug me and and let me feel secure in that way. Some people show love through acts of service. Again, that was very much my ex-husband. And quality time. You know, there are people that, that want that date night or they want that hour at the end of the day. And quite truthfully, I think we all enjoy all five of those acts of service or those acts of love. But we tend to show our love a certain way with both our partner and other people in our lives, our children, our parents. And then we need to recognize what we need back and and kind of categorize that or, or prioritize what means the most to us and then express that to our partner. And I think that is such an important discussion to have before you ever get married so that you know what they need and, and you can kind of meet each other halfway. So we started to get in a really bad place and I think we didn't know how to fix it. So we kept distracting ourselves with the kids and the house and our jobs and it continually got worse and worse. And then we ended up uh, moving to Boise, Idaho for my job. And in my mind, I thought this is kind of our fresh start. This is do or die for us. And I was away from home for the better part of four months. I was traveling back and forth on weekends or every other weekend, but it gave me a lot of time to think about what I wanted. And I felt recommitted when my family joined me here in Boise, Idaho, but all of our troubles followed us, every single one of them. And we just didn't know, or we didn't have the tools of how we could fix things. And I think honestly, when I look back, my ex-husband and I were probably uh, not the right match from the very beginning. We had a lot of challenges that came our way, but we were not a great match at the beginning. And I think Truly, I have the mindset that you can be married to a lot of different people. I don't know if I believe in one soulmate, but I think there are better fits for us than other people. And I think that had JT and I dated for more than (laughs) six months, then maybe we would have made different choices. That being said, I'm so grateful that I married him. I have two beautiful children. We have two beautiful children together. And we've taught each other a lot. And even after our divorce, we've learned how to restructure that relationship and how to still care for each other in a different way and how to work as a modern family and how to co-parent and give our kids what they need in making them feel safe and secure. So like I said before, I was very much the type of partner that would throw out the silent treatment or even throughout threats, I used the word divorce early on in our marriage, kind of as a a threat to see what kind of a reaction I would get. And I wanted him to say, no, 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 I, I love you. I want to fix this. And, you know, when you do that long enough, they start to take it pretty seriously and they start to think about it. And so I would throw these things out. I wasn't taking a lot of steps to make the marriage better. And he wasn't either. I think that he grew very tired of the issues that we had and he didn't know how to fix it. And neither did I. 
So I started seeking therapy and individual therapy and we didn't do marriage counseling anymore. I don't know if that would have fixed things or not. I think by the time I entered therapy myself, our relationship was probably too far gone. But again, for a long time, I was in denial that we would ever get divorced. I just held on so tight to that picture perfect family that we had. It looked great on Christmas cards (laughs) and it was everything I wanted. You know, I wanted to be married. I wanted to have these two darling children. I, I was very much of the mindset that I wanted my Facebook page to look good and, and, and tell myself that I was succeeding in life and tell myself that I was happy. And I don't think I understood what true happiness meant or where that came from. I thought that it came from a bigger, better house or how your kids were being raised or what they were achieving in life, what I was achieving in my job, what my husband was achieving in his job. I thought that is how we achieved happiness. And I'm telling you that that does not work (laughs) that way. You will never find happiness in having success through money and your job or, you know, because your child becomes something amazing in the sports world or whatever it looks like for you. So we finally uh, separated in February of 2017. I remember having this conversation. We'd, we talked a lot, but having this final conversation, it was actually in the parking lot of Home Depot. And we just said, you know, what are we doing here? We both were not very happy We talked about the fact that we weren't spending time with each other uh, in social settings. So we had developed different circles of friends and our priorities in life had changed. My religious views had changed a lot and his religion is something that's very important to him and it's, it's a very much a part of his lifestyle. And so we came to this conclusion and it felt more final than any of the discussions that we had had before, but it still felt very surreal. So we went and got some <laughs> some wallpaper for a wall on our house and and went home after this discussion and he he helped me hang wallpaper and it just was the weirdest feeling looking at him hang this wallpaper and thinking are we really going to do this. So about a week later he contacted me and said he had found a place to rent but he would need to take action on that should he should he do it and I took a deep breath and just said, yeah, I think you should. Um, A few weeks later, we had to set our kids down and tell them that we were getting divorced and it, it did not feel real. It seemed like I was watching something on television, some horrible scene on television. The kids took it really hard. Um, That's a moment that plays back in my head a lot. And I wish I could take that from my kids because it really was difficult for them to get that news. And they felt like their whole worlds were just turning upside down. And I think they felt very out of control. And at the same time, I think they felt like they could fix it and that this wasn't happening to our family. So we started going through the motions and It's such an out-of-body experience. Little things would trigger me. I'd come home and I remember one day half the dishes were gone in the cupboard and I just sobbed, just sobbed. 
because I knew that we really couldn't deny our problems anymore. We were doing this and he was taking action and he was moving forward. So we ended up officially going through the divorce in July of 2017. We had been you know, acting as a divorce couple since February. So the kids had started to get used to back and forth weekends and going back and forth between the two houses. And it was a rough adjustment because we did a lot as a family, even if we weren't happy, we did a lot of outings as a family and the kids had a hard time adjusting to having a weekend with just dad or a weekend with just mom. And the loss of the family unit was without a doubt, the hardest aspect of the divorce, the grief process of, of, of losing that family unit has been really, really difficult. And I think that I was in denial with that for a very long time, uh, probably a good year after our divorce. And even now it's been over two and a half years. And there are times that I just take a step back and kind of think, oh my gosh, this is my life. And how did this happen? And I really miss that family unit because that's what I, I grew up wanting. That was my dream. And it looks very differently. So uh, in that first year, I tried to hold it together a lot. We did probably some very unconventional things. We did Sunday dinner, family Sunday dinner every week. We were, you know, we live in Boise, Idaho, away from the rest of our family. So we don't have uh, our parents that live by or siblings. And so I think I wanted that sense of family to some degree, whatever that looked like. And we did that every Sunday for a year. We went on vacation in the midst of our divorce, which was extremely awkward um, and also really rewarding. I don't regret taking that vacation as odd as it may sound, there were some uncomfortable moments, but I knew on that vacation that it was most likely going to be the last vacation that we would take as a family. And it, it was hard to get through that. But I remember looking at the kids and just hoping that they could capture these memories and hold on to them. I guess it sounds weird, but even now, I miss going on vacation as a family or doing some of those things. And I wish that we could. I really kind of thought that we could have this unconventional divorce and we could do some of those things. And I think that's, like I said, probably odd. I don't think most people think that way. But because I missed our family unit so much and I mourned that so deeply, I thought maybe we could have this kind of family unit relationship without the romantic piece. And it ultimately did not work. So we did occasional things together as a family unit. And we did the Sunday dinner thing for about a year. And then he was the one that started dating someone seriously first. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Again, at this point, I was, I was pretty much over the relationship. I had gone through the grief process there, but I had not mourned the loss of our family unit. So I was not prepared for all of the emotions that come when your ex-spouse starts dating someone. And all of a sudden this, this woman was in our kids' lives and they were doing fun things with her. And she was very different than me. 
And so all those insecurities flooded my mind of, you know, they're going to like her better or she's going to take over. And I'm missing out on all these adventures that my kids are having and I hated it. And so my ex-husband and I started arguing a lot more. We had to set boundaries and that included, you know, no more Sunday dinner because she wasn't comfortable with it. She wanted to feel secure in, in her relationship with my now ex-husband. And so everything had to look different and we had to, you know, live our lives like a more typically divorced couple. At this point, I had also still continued to kind of rely on him emotionally. So something bad would happen in my day. And it was a natural response for me to reach out to him emotionally. And I had to learn to not do that so much because his role in my life had changed. And we started, you know, setting boundaries to to pretty much just talk about the kids, not talk about who each other was dating because that just stirred up way too much emotion. And overall it helped. We stopped following each other on social media. That was big for me. I know a lot of couples that are able to follow each other on social media, but for me, I couldn't stand seeing him have adventures with the kids without me or appearing like he was super dad. That's how I perceived it. I just wasn't in a secure enough place with myself to be able to handle that. So that was one of the best things we did. I I literally blocked him on social media, which sounds funny, but I just told myself that it wasn't healthy for me to follow him. And it wasn't healthy for me to follow his family members as much as I have deep respect for his siblings and, and his family members. Seeing these glimpses of my old life made it really tough to move forward. I also recognized at this time that I had neglected to move forward even in my own home. So I was still sleeping on my side of the bed and his side of the dresser drawer had remained empty and I didn't use his sink in the bathroom. And I had this aha moment one day where I was like, I can't move forward if I don't start living in this home and in these spaces like they're mine and they're not his anymore. And so I started sleeping on his side of the bed or in the middle of the bed, I put my non-seasonal clothes in his side of the dresser drawer. And it sounds like such a little thing, but it was a really key piece in me moving forward and saying, okay, that relationship is over. There is no fixing it. We're divorced and I've got to rebuild what this looks like and how can I make this as healthy for the kids as I can. One thing that's been really surprising to me with our kids, I would have thought that any moment we could share together, my ex-husband and and even possibly his extended family, that they would welcome that. And that has not been the case. Um, For example, our son has a birthday on the 4th of July, and I thought it would be a great idea to get both sides of our family together. So his extended family, my extended family together to celebrate his birthday. And my son was really uncomfortable with this because he had fear, whether it was justified or not, that the two different sides wouldn't get along or that a fight would break out at his birthday party. And we hadn't given him any indication that that would happen. That hadn't happened in the past, but he just, they created a new normal and it had been a couple years since we had been divorced at this point. And so 
the kids had adjusted and they were used to weekends and time with dad and then weekends and time with mom and time with my side of the family and time with his side of the family. And it was no longer comfortable for them to mix those two worlds. And, and what I thought was giving them something great that most kids of divorce don't get was not the right fit for my kids. And your kids may feel very differently, but I've really learned to pay attention to what is comfortable for them. They didn't want me around my ex-husband's new girlfriend. And I'm the type of person that wanted to invite her over for a birthday party or at Christmas time. And they didn't want us in the same space. And that surprised me, but it didn't make them comfortable. And so I kind of had to set up our own boundaries and our own modern family rules based on what made everyone comfortable and taking everyone into consideration. So I think in the end, now that we're two and a half years out, I would say I'm still going through the grief process and maybe this will last forever. I'm not sure of losing that family unit. Holidays are really hard that, and when I see other people go on vacations or take family pictures, those moments are really hard because I know that I had that perfect family unit, but I've also gained so much gratitude in what we do have. I have so much gratitude for the fact that my ex-husband and I are able to work things out and get along for the most part. I mean, we do, we have our differences, but we do pretty well. And I think setting up some of those boundaries and not discussing each other's relationships or, or diving into things that we probably shouldn't has been helpful in keeping it all focused on the kids. And I've learned to appreciate that we have this kind of quirky modern family, but it doesn't mean that, that the kids don't have a family. I hope that my kids don't feel that way. That's, that's one fear that I've had, that they would feel like they didn't have a home because they were bouncing back and forth between two different homes or that they wouldn't feel like they had a family. And I've learned that it's completely okay as long as they feel safe and secure and loved. And truthfully, I'm grateful that we've all gone through this because it's made us so much more resilient, so much more grateful, like I said, and we've learned that we can do really hard things and that we can move forward and that we can find forgiveness, that we can forgive ourselves and we can forgive others. And that even when things don't look perfect, they can be okay. And I've learned to get better and better at being okay and not perfect. I still feel those bouts of jealousy when I see things on social media that look a little bit like the life that I dreamed I would have. But I'm learning more and more bit by bit to just be okay with what I do have. And even like I said, sometimes I feel like I'm the lucky one because we've learned some tough lessons and and it has brought us to a place that some people never really get to experience. And it's a beautiful place in its own way. So if you are going through a divorce, which I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, I guess I just want you to know that it does get better, that you definitely need to set those boundaries and then learn forgiveness and learn how to have a different dynamic, but to still have a relationship with that person, especially if you have children together, because they're going to continue to be a part of your life. And 
if you're diving into marriage, I think I would say it's not as easy as it looks. It's not like playing house. It's so much work and you hear that, but I don't think you truly understand unless you go through marriage. And so talk about your expectations and talk about what you want out of a romantic relationship, how you want your household to function, what you want financially, what your goals are professionally and with family and with children and religion. Talk about all those things before you ever get married and and after you get married, continue to have those conversations. I, again, am so grateful to an ex-husband that has continued to work with me and has continued to help me raise these precious kids. And the one thing that always sticks with me, I go back to this in my mind all the time. He sent me a text message right after we got our divorce papers in the mail. And he said, don't view this as failed, but something that we can learn and grow from. And whenever I get into a deep, dark place, I think of his words and I'm so grateful to still have him by my side in a very different way. And I just hope that anyone that is put in this tough place can learn to move forward and find the positive in it. And at the end of the day, I hope that we can all become better partners because I hope that if I'm ever given that opportunity to be a wife again, that I will be different and that I'll be able to have that happily ever after someday. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.